Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Jackson trying to escape and run for it, and he's got it more. Lamar Jackson down the sideline. Will they give it to him? They will. Touchdown, Baltimore. And with 117 left to play on Wild Card Weekend, the Hayes in the Barn. Oh my God! I wish you guys could. I wish we had a camera in here so you could see what we're doing. We're just a bunch of <laughs> clowns in here. <laughs> How much fun is that? All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Tuesday, May eleventh, twenty twenty one. My name is Jake Luke, and I'm. Joined on my screen by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. How's it going, bud? Doing quite well. Ryan Mountcastle hitting a nice little ding-donger and uh, keeping my fantasy team afloat. Got my butt whipped in fantasy baseball over the weekend. Got a little drunk on Mother's Day. Saw the movie Nobody with... How was that? What is his name? What Bob is Odenkirk. Odenkirk. For some reason, I want to call him James McAvoy. I don't know why. I've been uh, looks-wise compared to James McAvoy. Yeah, I see that. Um, yeah, saw that. It was it was good. Pretty John, pretty John Wickish, which I feel like is like the up and coming, predominant kind of uh, storyline. It's like the you know retired old you know Navy SEAL vet, whatever, whatever. And he's got to get he's got to whip out the old sniper rifle and whip out the old Mister and Missus Smith basement of doom and do some. Well, I guess they weren't retired; they're just sneaky. But I feel like those movies are starting to make like a, a big predominant thing. But it was good. It was good. I enjoyed it. It was definitely fun. First movie I've seen in theaters in, I think the last movie I saw in theaters might have been Endgame. Mine was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think. Or, yeah, no. yeah. You saw that right before COVID, didn't you? No, actually I saw because 2019 was a really good movie year. It, it was been, 2019. It might have been 1917. I saw that at the beginning of 2020 in theaters. Okay. Yeah, I think I saw Endgame. I guess that was like fall of 2019, maybe? Yeah, I think that. I might have seen another movie after that, but I'm pretty sure it was Endgame. But oh, yeah, yeah, Nobody, pretty good movie. I'd recommend it. Yeah, I was, uh, I'm was. i into that. I'm Anything to, that uh, advances Bob Odenkirk's career, I am all in on. Big uh, Better Call Saul guy. So, yeah, excited to check that out when I get a chance. But, uh, yeah, I mean, here we are. You know, you just mentioned Mother's Day weekend. We had a good one around here. Uh, you, know, you know, celebrating and appreciating old Mary Luke and everything that she does. Got her a nice little Yeti Rambler as a gift. And I got one for myself, too, because that's what I do. I treat myself. So here we are. We're back in the studio ready to talk some Ravens. We have the draft, obviously. 
We've put out a couple episodes since then, one with Emery Hunt, which was a great interview where he answered some of your guys' questions, and another with Sean Hubbard, Ravens team photographer. If you haven't already listened to those, I'd recommend going back and checking them out. But we haven't really sat down proper since kind of our initial reactions to fully break it down. So we've got uh, a couple of mailbags tonight that we're going to be diving into to uh, take questions and uh, vamp on it a little bit. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, we'll get into the old mailbag. Um, yeah, we, we came on with Emery. Emery is always frying up the uh, the takes. He loves to separate himself from established narratives. I knew he would be a big Brandon Stevens guy. I just knew he would be a big Brandon Stevens guy. Makes a ton of sense. Um, but yeah, so starting to digest Brandon Stevens a little bit myself. Finally started diving into his tape a little bit. It took a little hiatus. After uh, I think we were both pretty tired after the draft, you and I. Yeah, I was, <laughs> you know, it's we love doing this and like it's fun to do stuff like that, like the draft, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's it's great. It's the best. But, uh, you know, it can be a little bit taxing at times. Yeah, especially when we drink 28 beers and then I, I that was the most I usually am such a little bitch and can't drink for longer than two days in a row at most. And that weekend I drank Thursday with you Friday. I started getting back into it. Saturday, I go to the draft party into a teacher party. I actually just darkness blacked out Saturday night. Uh, and then Sunday I, I had to, you know, I'm at the point in my life where I have to wean myself off of alcohol. So I had drinks on Sunday because if I didn't have drinks on Sunday, I would have had like a 110 heart rate and just been laying still contemplating how big of a loser I am and all the terrible choices I made seven years ago and all the horrible things. So had a couple cruisers get me out on Sunday and uh, then took a hiatus the rest of the week and feel recovered now. I was definitely feeling it for a couple days last week, but yeah, so we made it through. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, it was a lot. It's, uh, it's like I said, a lot of fun, but uh, I also like, I don't know if you get this way, but on my side of things with the production, I get a little stressed and like anxious about like how, and this is so stupid because it's like a live stream for like however many hundred people or whatever. And like just us two idiots, but like, I, I want things to go right. So like I was a little, little amped up before, uh, especially before we got going on Thursday night, but everything went off, I would say relatively without a hitch and it was fun, but uh, yeah, it was a little stressful. There was a lot of alcohol involved. I think I'm kind of in the same boat as you are where can't really uh, chase after it as hard as I could maybe five, six years ago, which is, uh, you know, a good and a bad thing. But um, yeah, you know, it's it's been uh, it's been a nice little relaxation period since then. I'd say. Just shout out to all of our listeners that are like under the age of 20, like three, 24. Just, just wait, what, just wait, just wait, what, see what's coming for you. See what a hangover is. And shout out to me for not knowing what a, a 35-year-old or a 40-year-old hangover is like. Yeah. I imagine it's just... I, when I think of that, I just think of Vaz when he had that one picture of him where it looks like he was touching one of those static ball things. Yeah. And it was just boink. And that's what I imagine is coming for me down the road. But uh, we're back. I feel rested, relaxed. Got my got my fat ass up. Took a nice run at like 830 this morning and uh, sweated out a little bit. And here we are. Yeah, we certainly, uh, you know, we got through it and it was uh, it was a ton of fun. Um, yeah, I mean, a ton of fun. I, I really appreciate everyone commenting along and, uh, you know, doing what you guys did and Obviously, we have recorded since then, but just to say, just you know, a few words on that. Really appreciate everyone, you know, tuning into us because everyone in the the world is like doing a live stream for the draft these days. Uh, especially right. with the way that the TV coverage, it's still great, but it's a little more outdated, and like you kind of don't really need it as much with social media now. Uh, just the fact that however many handful of people uh, decided to enjoy it with us uh, was was great. It was also great hopping on with the uh, SBN show guys. 
Uh, that was a ton of fun talking with stats and all them uh, that night, kind of getting our live reaction there and uh, very prescient of you to also capture it on camera. I went back and got the uh, footage from uh, uh, Stats' feed when the Rashad Bateman pick was announced and you and I had a nice little uh, high five moment. Just a, a great moment all around for the pod. We've come a long way in two years almost. That was like a culmination moment for the pod, I think, the Rashad Bateman pick. It was just, we've been talking about him for so long. We, we think we know what we're talking about. We don't know what we're talking about. You stayed on it the whole time. I, I flip-flop. I was like, they're going to pass on him. They're just going to do it in our faces. This is what's going to come. And then last minute, you know, we did predickies. I was like, they're going to take Rashad Bateman and trade out of the first round. And you stuck on it the whole time. And then, boom, uh, the prince who was promised, the nice, balanced, six-foot-tall, 195-pound receiver that can do it all, hopefully. And that's uh, what we've we've wanted. It's what the fans have wanted. It's what our listeners have wanted. That's what uh, everybody wanted. And Eric DaCosta talked about it on The Lounge, which was really great listen. He did Florio. Um, him and Florio had a little yeah, he's gab sesh. The, he's doing the car wash. He's really enjoying it. I feel like he's starting to really enjoy himself uh, in GM. I feel like he's reaching max comfort. And Ravens gone to the playoffs both years under his uh, under his his. I was gonna say stewardship. That's not tutelage, right. maybe. Know. Huh? His tutelage, maybe. Tutelage, yeah, sure. He's he's the commander. He's uh, he's Lord Commander of the Ravens and Lord Commander. Lord Commander, and they've done well. So I think he's feeling himself. They they ended up getting that comp pick. They ended up getting a second first round pick. So you know he's feeling feeling probably pretty frisky. Probably felt pretty good throughout that whole process. And I definitely recommend. I don't know where the Florio ones posted pro football talk, I'm sure, and Florio's page, whatever. Uh, and then the lounge, obviously, with Ryan Mink and Garrett Downing. DeCosta did like 45 minutes on there and was talking about some things. So definitely recommend those. But yeah, it felt like a culmination moment with them taking Bateman. And it felt like the most fun part about them taking Bateman is that we just really didn't give a rat's ass what they did at 31, yeah. which is stupid, but we just didn't really care after that. Yeah, well, it was it was interesting because like I, I mentioned getting keyed up. Like we had to we had to go live on the the big show for SB Nation. So like that was for that one pick, and then we kind of hopped off and we didn't really like know what to do with our hands because we were like kind of sitting there, like, do we go back on for the other one? We never really wound up hearing from them. So we we're like, yeah, whatever, we'll just kind of like wait this out. They're probably gonna trade out anyway, so it's kind of whatever. And I uh, just watched the uh, OA pick come through, uh, you know, live as it happened on TV. So that was, uh, I think, I wouldn't say equally as fun, but it was, you know, pretty fun in its own right. Yeah, for sure. And we liked that OA pick because we were like, all right, cool. Give us the Bateman, the guy that we think can make a, a year one, year two difference. And then give us OA, someone that, you know, is probably going to start-ish or have heavy rotation, but you're not going to feel a ton of pressure on. And uh, it was, you know, like I said back then, one for now, one for later. And it was a lot of fun. Then you go get the big boy and then Tylen Wallace later, a guy that you love too. Oh yeah. And uh, it was, it was fun. It was a fun draft, fun weekend overall. And we were a little, we were a little low T last week after we went crazy for a long time. You know, the beat down big board was definitely a lot of focus and energy from us, you know, consistently once a week. And I would say it's a good thing. I got that Sean Hubbard interview in the can, because if we had had right. to record twice last week, I don't know what we would have come up with. It wouldn't have been great content. We, we would have been fine, but yeah, definitely, definitely was a nice little like break from draft coverage. Sean Hubbard interview it was a lot of fun and uh, I was a little different. And then him and Emery both, and we hadn't had a guest on and I don't even know. Yeah, it would probably because I have, guess Anthony Averett was probably not yeah, that long ago. Yeah, he not was. That long ago. He was probably the one. I think we kind of uh, shied away from it during the big board because we were just kind of so focused on that. But we had some we had some good ones up before that. We had Pete. We had Feinstein. So we're gonna probably shift a little bit back towards that. We've got some other stuff coming in the hopper. Not ready to totally put out there yet, but it's gonna be ready soon. So that's gonna be you know good for the summer. And uh, yeah, man, we're we're just we're warming up here. 
we are warming up. The boys are back in town, and uh, the sun is back in town. Not really. It's been kind of chilly around here, but kind of yeah. It's just been unseasonably like cold this you know past week. It's, maybe even it's longer. Your second winter. I also lo- I was in Allentown, Pennsylvania for SIS, and I like accidentally swiped over into that weather on the iPhone uh, iPhone weather app. Yeah, and it was like low of thirty four, and I was like, oh, hell no, hell to the no. Um, but yeah, let's get into this mailbag. All right, we're, we're chit chat. <laughs> <laughs> I picked my nose a minute ago too, and I've, I've probably have done that so many times in the realize. We're, back, sure. we're just we're really bad. The boys are back in town, indeed. The boys are back in town. On Instagram, Shram Alexander over under J.K. Dobbins one thousand yards rushing. I'm gonna hit the over on that one. I'm just gonna hit the over. I'm gonna say like ten eighty to eleven fifty. Yeah, I feel like that 1,100-yard range is kind of where I would be setting mine personally, so I'm definitely going to go over on that. I feel like Lamar's probably going to have some uh, some rushes in there as well, but, uh, you know, it's a crowded backfield. you got Gus in the mix. Who knows what you're going to be seeing from some of these other guys uh, with Justice Hill kind of still floating around too, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to go over on that. I think they want him to be a focal point of the offense. That's kind of why you take him in the second round, controversially to some, and uh, for that reason, I kind of hope they do kind of hammer him into the, uh, into the wall here this year, and uh, he has a, a big-time season. For sure. I would say off of that, a more fun question is how many Ravens run for a thousand yards? I'm going to go. I'm going to go two. I think Lamar does it again. I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go Gus and JK both hit a thousand and Lamar hits like 850 to 950. I feel like I say I feel like I felt that way last year and I'll probably be wrong. But that's my intuition. Okay. Yeah. You know, I could see it. It, it depends on what they want to do. They got some weapons in the passing game here now. So. Maybe they'll be trying to get those guys incorporated a little bit more, and that'll come at the cost of running game volume, but uh, we'll certainly see. I think Justice Hill will see definitely career-high touches too because the likelihood of both of those backs staying healthy throughout the entire season is not super high. Also, so the fact that, that he like actually just looked really good last year and people kind of forget Especially that. in that Pittsburgh, the, the little COVID cup matinee. Yeah. He, he looked good. Yeah, he definitely did. So I'm into that. Yeah. Joe Boak and Ninja JC, top away game on the schedule, most wanted primetime game. I was recording Locked on Ravens earlier, and I forgot that they like already have the home and away opponents announced, and I couldn't really yeah, remember I'm gonna, them. I'm going to pull that up right now. I probably should have already had that. But. Uh, they play both. I know they, they play both LA teams. And they also, I feel like they play in Vegas. Uh, okay, pulling it up. And I definitely want to go to that. I definitely want to go. I hope that's in, I hope that's later in the season. That'd be sweet to go in and like, Yes, yeah, so early December, like post Thanksgiving. So you got away Chicago Bears, Denver Broncos, uh, Detroit Lions. It says Oakland Raiders. Obviously, it's Vegas. AFC East, same place fin- finisher. So who was uh, second in the AFC East? Third. Oh, they finished third. Yeah. Um, right. No, I thought they were second, right? Because they swept the Browns and they were the same record. Maybe you're right. Yeah, it is second. It is, yeah, because they play the Rams, and the Rams are second place in the Dolphins, uh, maybe, NFC then? West. Would that be? Yes, Dolphins, Dolphins. Yeah, so, yeah, Buffalo, Dolphins. Yeah, so right. it's at Dolphins? Yeah, so it's at AFC East, same place finisher, so we'll just say Dolphins here. Maybe that's wrong. Who could say? Uh, and then, obviously, the divisional games. Then home, you got uh, the Kansas City Ding Dongs, and uh, the LA Chargers come to town. Uh, the Green Bay Packers come to town. Minnesota Vikings come to town. AFC. So they get both LA teams at home. Uh, yes. Yes, because So the gonna, furthest they go west is Las Vegas. I think this came out before the additional game got announced because it doesn't say anything about the Rams, but I believe I so, yeah. It might be. I think it might be at home. Yeah, I think it definitely is. They said it will be... 
the uh, the Rams would be coming to town. Um, right. AFC South, same place. Well, again, they don't go that far west. I mean, Las Vegas is pretty west, but that's not, you know, I'm Seattle, also, I don't know why I'm on PSLsource.com. There's definitely like a better... <laughs> yeah, it's literally the Ravens.com has it right here. I'm an idiot. Uh, yeah, so... Okay, 2021 home opponents, Pittsburgh Steelers, Cincinnati Bengals, Indianapolis Colts, Green Bay Packers, Los Angeles Rams, Cleveland Clowns, Kansas City Chiefs, Los Angeles Chargers, Minnesota Vikings. Crazy both LA teams coming to Baltimore. Yeah, that's wild, man. Uh 20 there weren't even there wasn't even an LA team like six years ago. Uh 2021 away opponents. Pittsburgh Steelers, Cincinnati Bengals, Denver Broncos, Detroit Lions, Cleveland Clowns, Las Vegas Raiders, Chicago Bears, Miami Dolphins. I like it. I like it a lot. Vegas, yeah, Vegas. So they go to Chi Town. That would be good. Yeah. Hopefully that's. Eh, what was the What was the original question? Top away game on the schedule, most wanted primetime game. Um, I don't. I want nothing to do with the Chiefs in primetime. Let's just stop making oh, this a thing. I, I want. I want Sunday night in Baltimore. We know Sunday what's gonna. Night. We we know what's gonna happen, and that's just not gonna be. Well, fun. I'll tell you what. Al. Al, I'll tell you what, this is going to be quite the matchup here early in the season between two hopeful Super Bowl contenders. better teams. not be early in the season. No. Not early in the season. No, we that's, wanted, we, they did that last year because they wanted the I maximum mean, amount of juice, and they're going to do the same thing this year. No, they're going to put it, give give me a give me a early November Chiefs-Ravens Sunday night. Give me, give me like a, give me like a hoodie jeans in Baltimore Sunday night. Collinsworth is wearing the blazer over the quarter zip. Like, and he just yes. slides in all cocky. Like, I'll tell you what, Al, when the weather starts getting a little crisp here in Charm City with the leaves on the ground and the stallions racing through the horse country up there in Hunt Valley and Greenspring, it's going to be quite the matchup here between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. Chiefs are going to win by a lot of points, though, and make Jake very angry. Now they just played the turkey bowl here a week ago with Loyola. <laughs> he's, no, all. he's totally dialed in on like the, he's talking to Kuiper. He's dialed the prep in school. on the, Oh yeah. He's got yeah. the MAIA on lock. Yeah. Listen, on that's, lock. I was in that conference. So I, I'm, I'm in no, no shape to talk. Well, there we go. Um, so yeah, primetime definitely. So you don't want that. So what is your most wanted primetime game? Don't say Pittsburgh. Say someone other than well, Pittsburgh. Yeah, we obviously want Pittsburgh. They're going to at least get one of those. I would think. I don't think. They, yeah. Well, they technically did last year, but we don't have to talk about that. Matinee um, is primetime. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So primetime. I mean, the Chargers would be low key fun. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, Ooh, Boom Boom Mancini just hit a 440 foot shot. Let's go. I gotta pull that up. Actually, I've uh, I've I've found a reliable streaming source for the Orioles. There we go. Um, Packers. I mean, the Packers. Who knows what the hell is going on with them? That'll be kind of fun, no matter what's going on. Uh, yeah, Teddy Bridgewater. It'll be prime time. They'll put it at prime time, and then it'll be Teddy Bridgewater, and they'll get flexed out. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, yeah, I mean Vegas, like Vegas late season in Vegas. Vegas game. in Las Vegas would be sick. I prime think they. Time. Yeah, I think they are in Las Vegas. Yeah, that would be sick. I'm. I probably am going to go to that. I probably am going to go to that. I'd be. Listen, if you're if you're doing this, you're not excluding me. Yeah, we that would be. I've never been to Vegas actually. I've been once. So that and would I was be. not twenty one. So it was still it was fun as shit. You basically didn't go. No, I, I had a good time. Let me tell you. Okay, good I, for you. Good for you. I appreciate I mean, that. I made it. Move, there we go. We want we want Vegas. We want Kansas City. We want uh, Vegas, Packers. baby. Vegas. We got to get you out of that stuffy apartment. Vegas, baby. Your money, baby, and you don't even know it. G Fritz four ten eight zero one. 
who has a better season, the Browns or the Ravens? And he has a three-part question, so we'll give him a triple entendre. Will Lamar still get a bag if he doesn't improve as a passer? They've added, fuck you. Just fuck that one. Uh, and then the third one, will the Ravens sign a free agent edge rusher? Uh, free agent edge rusher. I'm going to go. I'm, I think I'm willing to be wrong here. I'm going to say no. I think that this is one of those things where they think they're, they are pretty smart and they think to themselves, well, we let Judon and Ngakwe go. We, we think that in our defense and with our top, top paid corners, you also paid a lot to Clayus Campbell. You know, you've invested in your linebackers, whatever. They're going to look at it. All right, we got a first-round pick. We like Bowser. We like McPhee. Uh, I think they're going to give Jalen Ferguson, like, a little ru- a run of, like, five games of giving him 20, 30, 40 snaps maybe. And if they don't like what they see, they hit it up at the trade deadline. But I think with Dalen Hayes being, you know, he wasn't picked in the late 200s. He was, and the Ravens haven't let go of a seventh round. Of, Ravens don't let go of draft picks in year one. That has literally never happened. Uh, I think Mark Anthony was the last one who Kevin Ostriker actually just said on Locked on Ravens. So I think Dalen Hayes probably plays, you know, 100, 200, 300 snaps. Bowser probably slated to play, you know, 700, 800 snaps for the first time away. I could see him and McPhee having a kind of equal share almost like 20, 30, 40 snaps a game between the two of them. Uh, and then Hayes, you know, God forbid Bowser gets hurt. I think they like Hayes in that uh, Sam role, especially if he has a couple months. And so I'm going to go with no, and they're willing to, to try and hit it at the trade deadline again. Yeah, I'm going to say no as well. Um, it just kind of feels to me like if it were going to happen, it would have already happened. And like all this speculation that Houston was pretty much a shoe in happened before the draft where they drafted two players who are ostensibly ready right. to go. Uh, OA might not be totally refined in the pass rushing game, but as you've pointed out, he's going to be a one to two or a uh, first and second down kind of early down player, despite what everyone's saying is him being this type of project. He is much more ready to go than some people think. So he's going to be in the mix. Dalen Hayes is going to be in the mix. Doesn't really feel like there's this big need, and if there is, you know, I, I wouldn't be, wouldn't be too. Dalen Hayes, Dalen Hayes was a captain at Notre Dame and played like this whole year. Like he he was there for a long time. He had a shoulder issue, but he played a lot of football at Notre Dame. Yeah, he seems so. like a smart, like really well put together kid who's gonna go in there and work hard from day one. So it wouldn't shock me at all. He he is an overachiever type. It feels like where he is a great worker. He is intelligent, and He's he like is the, not you know. Not to not to detonate Tim Williams here, but it's kind of like the opposite situation. Upside down. Yeah. I I literally had that exact same thought maybe t- yesterday. Yeah, I was like, wow, that is legitimately opposite Tim Williams. The pass rushing juice isn't like some crazy thing. He can cover, and you love him as you know a, a intelligent, hardworking football player. Probably a little more than Tim Williams. Right. Um, so yeah. So I think we're simpatico there. Then who has a better season, the Browns or the Ravens? I. I think after we've talked about the Ravens so much and we've been doing this podcast for so long, and I, I guess the longer you do it, maybe you do become a Mike Preston a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm sure he's been doing it for what, 30 years and you just start to be like, Oh, whatever, fuck this shit. And I think I'm actually really excited about this Ravens team and this Ravens season. Very, very, very much. I will go on to put this on the Ravens season. If Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters stay pretty much healthy. I'm not even going to lump the safeties into it. If we get 16, 15 plus games, and it is a 17 game season, 15 plus games out of both Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey, I think the Ravens might win the AFC. Um, I'm pretty bullish on this team. They have so much firepower. It feels like it feels like Mark Andrews. You can't take away. 
It feels like J.K. Dobbins is foaming at the mouth. It feels like Zeitler and Cleveland and Villanueva and Bozeman and Stanley boil back as well. It feels like that is a very competent unit. And I think Lamar is going to thrive as well. I think this offense is really going to put on a show throughout this season. Um, so I, I think the Browns have a lot of hype. I think they will be very, very good as well. I like the Greg Newsom pick a lot. I think that was big for them when we were on with uh, stats and the SB Nation show. They were like, who do you not want the Browns to take? Because, you know, you guys are coming on and whatever. And I said, I don't want them to take a first round corner. Uh, so I think they're going to match up with other teams a lot better. I'm going to go with the Ravens, though, and I, I'm going to put it on Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. I think if we get a full season out of both of them, I think this offense has really ridiculous firepower. Solid line. Lamar's ready. Hollywood's ready. Mark Andrews is going to be, you know, not you can't just wipe him out of the game plan anymore and, and just focus on that. You're going to get burned. All those things combined. I think the Ravens are a 13-14 win team. I think the Browns are like a 12-13 win team. Yeah, I've been very complimentary of the Browns this offseason. I think they had a very nice draft. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go ahead and stick with the Ravens on this one as well. I think uh, it just, I don't know, to me, it, it kind of comes down to experience a little bit, which is a, a term that I think is used a little bit arbitrarily too much, uh, which is kind of annoying. And uh, listen, these are two teams that in their new common era, each have one playoff win and they each came last season. But I mean, with the Browns, it's kind of, to me, this is a little bit more of an emotional pick an emotional kind of uh, situation where I'm not necessarily looking at it with, you know, my head, because I think both of these rosters that both teams have are very good, but the Ravens have been through a lot. You know, they've been to the playoffs three straight years. They had to go through all the bullshit and all the talk of, oh, they can't get it done in the playoffs. They finally did it last year. They've got enough scars on them to, uh, you know, last them a lifetime now, uh, as NFL players, Browns don't quite have that, but they do have the talent. So I think they're going to be right in the mix, but, uh, just due to the experience of it all, I think I'm going to go edge to the Ravens, but, uh, it's going to be very competitive. I think it's going to be a fun battle between the two teams. Looking around the AFC in general, I think, you know, Browns Ravens are, are up there. Obviously the chiefs, obviously the bills, and, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the Colts. I was pretty bull. I was pretty bullish on the Colts last year. They ended up sneaking into the playoffs, but I think Wentz will be able to do some good things there. I think they've got a good, good thing going. They just signed Eric Fisher today, which, you know, not, he's not the best tackle in the world, but he's certainly not a bad one at all. Um, so I like what they're doing. I think those are the five horses of the AFC. Uh, and I guess the dolphins too, man, I guess the dolphins too. I, I don't like what's going on in Las Vegas. They implode, uh, all the time. Phil, it feels like they're in a weird spot where it's kind of like they fucked up their roster construction kind of weirdly in the early Mayock and Gruden days, I guess seasons a couple years ago. And, have kind of started to realize and cut some ties. They did the whole thing with their offensive line, but Dolphins, you know, we'll see Tua. I'm not going to count Tua out. Tua, you know, Tua actually exceeded my expectations because of his hip. I think him being able to play and be healthy and be mobile and all that stuff, you know, he didn't play well. He wasn't accurate, deep, whatever. That hip injury, I, I was like, hmm, I don't know if I would take him in the first round. I was pretty scared of that injury. I don't have a degree in anything medical and I, I don't know the extent of it, but I was, you know, him being able to play and be healthy was very big, and we'll, we'll see what he becomes. Maybe he's not great, but they got a hell of a roster too. But moving on, B Rose 931. What becomes of Bredesen and Powers due to the recent additions to the interior offensive line? I think they're in a dogfight. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of at a certain point, like the cream of the crop has to rise. And uh, we've been talking about it, how they keep taking these guys year after year, just adding all these bends into the mix. Well, one Ben is going to have to rise. And maybe it's not even going to be either one of them uh, because a new Ben is in town, Ben Cleveland. So, you know, we, 
at a certain point, like you kind of you kind of know what you have in a mid round pick, and uh, sometimes they don't always work out, and that's okay. Uh, but you know, honestly, if I had to bet my money, I'd probably put something down on at least one of these guys turning into something between Powers and Bredesen, because uh, it kind of just feels like it works that way. You know, sometimes guys don't always hit right away for most teams, but it feels like interior offensive linemen more often than not hit for the Ravens at some point. So uh, I'm confident that at least one of them will turn into something. But as of right now, you're, you're on notice a little bit, you know. Yeah, I agree for sure. And uh, it felt like, I mean, I feel like I was pretty high on Ben Powers being able to come in and play at a little bit higher level than he did. Of course, you know, it's kind of like a rookie season where offensive linemen don't take two. But with how he played mixed with how it long it took and what it took for him to get in the lineup, I'm not huge there. Bredesen really, and, you know, you can argue about arm length. You know, people can argue about those till they're blue in the face. He has sub 31-inch arms. He has... He has like short arms for an off-ball linebacker. Um, very short for an off-ball linebacker. So that's kind of a, a tough one. I mean, I like Bredesen, but I just think this whole finesse kind of interior offensive line thing that the Ravens tried to do at center and a guard a little bit, it just didn't quite work the way they had in mind. Uh, and, and you see Ben Cleveland come in, you see them get Zeitler, two brawny, big, big, big boys. Um, so I think they, I think those... Those two might be on the short end of the stick. I think them and then Tristan Colon Castillo are vying for one or two spots, probably two spots. And I think they like Tristan Colon Castillo. I think he's that natural center and feels like Bozeman's the, maybe not an ink, but almost definitely in pencil center. And I think Colon Castillo is going to get run there. They brought him back. And uh, I feel like at least one of the, those two bends will be the odd man out. If it is, as Alejandro Villanueva, I believe, put it, an offensive lineman's dream to play in this offense, then it feels right. like we kind of know what we've got in some of these guys, you know? Exactly. Um, I will say Phillips is, if anyone is going to have potential, I think it might be Phillips. If anyone might end up playing a little better than we've seen, I think he has the size, I think he has the athleticism, I think he was at, you know trying to learn a new position, and I think he might be able to be the most viable option in this offense of... Bredesen, Powers, and Phillips. Ultimately, I think he's a pretty gifted athlete, and uh, he's got the size as well, the length as well. And, and me saying you know, that is like, uh, I think that kind of maybe only applies to guys that haven't even gotten onto the field, which you haven't seen at all really with Bredesen. He's seen it a little bit with Powers, but not much. Uh, Tyree Phillips has at least gotten on the field, gotten his feet wet. He, they, I mean, for the Baltimore Ravens to put an offensive lineman on and start him week one without a preseason, they must like the hell out of him mentally. Yeah, they have to. I mean, like, they, there's no other way. And he, like, to his credit, I think he actually did look okay at the beginning of the regular season. Maybe I'm misremembering, but I remember people in the know off the top of my head seemed to like what they saw from him early on. Obviously, it's a long-ass season. Acclimating to the NFL is not easy for a lot of these guys, and maybe that's kind of what the issue was with him. Yeah, I definitely agree there. Uh, moving on, we got Adam Jones, 357, the five-time gold glover. Are we expecting Hollywood to move into a slot role first? Do we see 1,000 yards out of any wide receiver? And why can't Lamar have an Allen Diggs year with someone? Um, I think Lamar can't have an Allen Diggs year with someone unless he throws the ball at least 500 times. Yeah, like and that I would mean- be... That would be a pretty big jump. That'd be like a twenty-eight percent jump. I think. Like, do you in, want in him just sheer pass steps? Do you want him to stop running? Right. Like, um, I mean, a thousand-yard season would be one thing, and I don't think I really. Uh, I could see Hollywood. Yeah. Of anyone, it's it's Hollywood. I don't think it's Bateman in year one. Not yet. No. Not yet, and in this offense, especially. Nor do you Andrews. Really- 
I don't think he's ever going to average. He gets too many targets over the middle field. I don't think he's going to average enough per catch. Plus, there's kind of, you know, he had 100 targets. I don't, I don't know if he's going to go past that either. So I just think it gets spread out, and there's just not the volume there. And that is what it is. The 1,000-yard mark, I get it. You know, in Madden, it's great, and it's great in fantasy, and it looks really nice on paper. It's just very clean to see, you know, 89 catches, 1,172 yards, and, and nine touchdowns or something. But fact of the matter, they have too many receivers right now. Someone's not going to make it. And it feels like that's either Boykin or, or uh, Prochet. They don't throw the ball enough. They might throw it a little more. I think Lamar threw 376 passes. You take away the COVID game. I think they will, in from fact, that. throw it more. I think Greg Roman was maybe saying as much. Yeah. And and in San Francisco and in Buffalo, I'm pretty sure Baltimore, all three, wait, he's had two seasons as full-time off, as offensive coordinator. I think his two seasons in Baltimore are the two highest run splits of any of his seasons as an offensive coordinator in the NFL. So with them investing in wide receiver, first round pick, big investment, Sammy Watkins, modern investment, Zeitler, you bring in as well. 450 pass attempts for, I think we'll see Lamar's career high. If he stays healthy, I think we see his career high pass attempts, maybe 460, 470, somewhere around there. But again, that's probably last year he was 22nd. And that's because a lot of teams, you know, had injured quarterbacks or they had to switch quarterbacks or something among the guys that stayed healthy. That's dead last. Uh, and and all among the full-time, full-season starters, that's dead last. Maybe he's third, you know, he was 22nd last year, so maybe he's 19th, 18th, 17th. Maybe Hollywood gets 1,000 yards with, you know, him being able to get different matchups and, and whatever, and there's not as much pressure on, you know, as Jesse Bates said, take away 15 and 89. Um, so, yeah, I think it's possible, but I wouldn't, I, w- I would bet against that. If I could get like a plus 110 that the Ravens have a, that the Ravens don't have a thousand yard receiver, I would definitely take that. Yeah, I've always I've always liked the idea of like we're not going to try to beat the Chiefs at their own game and like beat them in a boat race. We're just going to do our own thing. I like that in theory, but when you don't even have the requisite talent to maybe kind of throw your way back into a game at times, that's where I got a little bit annoyed. It kind of feels like they have that now. So like just the fact that they have it, or at least on paper right now, it appears that they have it. I'm comfortable comfortable with that. And I don't need them like like we were saying last year during some of the offensive quote unquote struggles. Like I don't need them firebombing Cincinnati forty five nothing in the regular season and uh, burning J.K. Dobbins legs out. Like maybe kind of to a similar analogy, I don't need them like having Hollywood Brown run five nine routes and just completely burn himself out in a game. And uh, you know, just kind of doing that in October or November. Why not just kind of distribute the ball to all the uh, the number two options that you have that are all you know, pretty good in their own right and just be a, a ball control, ball distribution uh, type of offense and uh, just kind of expand on what you did better last year. Right. And yards after the catch, I think are coming this year more. Definitely way, way, way more with Watkins, with Duvernay getting more time and, and with Bateman. Maybe Duvernay doesn't get that much more time. Maybe he gets a little bit more time now. I mean, it's going to be a heavy rotation. But the the big meta, the, the step back and look from above is that you see the end of the season and in Tennessee – Buffalo was was re- when you look back at Buffalo, it was really a silly game. All the, the kickers can't even kick the Justin Tucker can't even kick it in the wind. The other fucking Tyler Bass, other kicker can't fucking kick. Josh Allen can't hit anything deep. You know Tyler Huntley missed Hollywood Brown wide open by twenty yards at the end of that game, and that's like yeah. that's not an indictment on Tyler Huntley. Josh that's, Allen missed Stephon Diggs by twenty yards at one point too. Like they were, they were the wind was fucking kicking. That and like that's a little bit gonna and be, it was cold. That's got to be on the telecast a little bit to kind of illustrate that a little bit more. And like sometimes you get people 
laughing a little bit when it's like Lisa Salter is doing like the ice in the cup or whatever on the field sometimes, but you got to have some context. Like there needs to be some better storytelling with the broadcast sometimes. And I think they kind of failed the failed us a little bit and they are um, to borrow parlance from a no laying up. Who's a uh, golf podcast. They, they talk about how the, the golf telecasters are the keeper of the takes because like they have all the, all the, requisite information out on the field and like they're only sharing a certain amount of it with you. I feel like that wasn't really requisitely covered in the game and people just walked away from it seeing the Ravens have a tough offensive performance. Bills get the win so they get a pass and the you know we go into the offseason and it's oh what's wrong with the Ravens offense. I think uh maybe a little bit better job of covering the uh the conditions in that game which you know it seems like they were biblical but nobody really kind of references back to that now when they talk about why the why the Ravens had a bad game. There are other reasons, but I think that was a significant part of it. Right. It was a silly game, but you're talking end of the season. It was, I guess, what? Jacksonville, Cincinnati, Tennessee were the three previous games, right? Jacksonville was week 16. I believe so. Or it might've been Giants. Giants. It was either Giants or the Jags, whatever. I, I, th- I think, whatever. Over those last three games of the year, we saw those little quicks, the quick hitters. We saw the orbit return or the boomerang motions, we saw those manufactured touches. We saw that the Ravens saying, okay, we have to throw the ball, you know, extension of the run game to the perimeter. We have to. We have to do it. That is, and Greg Roman talks about the evolution of this offense. If they just have a few of those plays a game every single game, that makes this offense go. And if you start the season that way, you know, maybe you don't need to do it against the Texans or the, the you know, they play them, last, whatever. Maybe you do want to just run in the ball. Maybe you want to give Justice Hill 15 carries and he just, whatever, whatever. But early on, you start having those similar quicks, those little, little you know, wink and a nod at the line of scrimmage. Lamar can flick it over to Watkins or whatever. Have those, expand on those throughout the season. If the offense looks like that to start the year with maybe just a little increased passing, you know, People talk about the concepts. Maybe they can rely on Watkins to be a veteran. And now Andrews and Hollywood are, you know, reaching that veteran status. Lamar's in his fourth year as well. So maybe they can run some more, you know, consistently uh, more developed and, and schemed open concepts downfield. Start there, then evolve throughout the season and figure out what you can't do. And then where you're going to be at the end of the season. I think this offense looks really good in that way. And I think that's the evolution is just taking that finishing point with those just easy little touches and evolving on those to start the year. That's a really great thing. Um, he asked, do we expect Hollywood to move into a slot role? Hollywood is going to play on the outside. He's going to play on the slot. They're going to try and create a mismatch because he's a mismatch player uh, wherever they see fit. And maybe a little bit, maybe I think it would be more balanced in the slot. I think his rookie year, he spent more, Slightly more snaps on the boundary, uh, and it was kind of like, a, I think it was like a 55-45 split with 45 in the slot. And I think last year it was like 70-30-ish boundary to slot. So I think it's more in that 50-50 range. I'm going to go back and watch his first two games of his career when he was just tearing it up because I felt like a lot of those big plays did come out of the slot, in fact. That catch against Arizona at the end, some of the, uh, just even the shorter stuff he was doing against Arizona, he really had a complete game there. So I'm, gonna, I'm fascinated to go and check that out. I think he's definitely a downfield threat when he has more space to operate because he can't get pinned to the boundary by good corners. Yeah, um, I think that that's definitely a thing. And I think he can separate no matter what against bigger corners when he has space, but when they're longer and stronger and, and you're trying to throw, you know, those, those fades, those goes down the sideline against 
technicians that are bigger, he, they can kind of take advantage of him. Um, so I definitely think he is probably a little bit better utilized downfield out of the slot. Uh, he likes those digs from the boundary, though. But yeah, that was a good point. CJC, how do you think their current pass rush will compare to last year's pass rush? Um, pretty sim- I think pretty similar. Like they're just gonna try. They're gonna get pressure from their DBs. They're gonna get pressure from their linebackers. You know, you hope that Calais Campbell still has a good bit in the tank. Derek Wolf's able to do some things. Mataboyke, uh, it feels like was really scratching the surface of what he can do. Uh, and is going to get more and more comfortable. And then, you know, we're going to see Bowser able to do some things. We're going to see OA probably schemed up as a, a free rusher when Wink is so good at taking advantage of whatever the team's uh, checks are in protection. And I, th- I think it'll be, you know, pretty similar to last year. Yeah, I think so too. Um, yeah, pretty much for all the reasons you just mentioned. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. Going back to that discussion with, Houston and whoever else, because you talk about scheming up a guy like OA, uh, looking around the roster, maybe there is a concern about who is going to be, you know, eating up those blockers and whatever else. I guess that's something to figure out for a later date. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it's going to be interesting, especially, you know, the fact that those other two guys, they weren't super productive as far as sack totals go, but they they did a lot of stuff for freeing other guys up. So, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to, uh, to see how that all shakes out. Feels like their thing right now is like they were like, all right, we don't value the. I think Ngakwe and Judon are both like you know B list pass rushers, as opposed to a Joey Bosa or Miles Garrett or uh, TJ Watt or whatever. You guys get the point. Uh, I, I think they're like we're not going to pay those guys you know a little bit too much uh, to to rush the passer and give us you know eight sacks when we don't really run our defense like that anyway. Do the Ravens want Joey Bosa and Miles Garrett? Yes, of course they do, and they would love to have that, but they don't. They haven't been able to get their hands on it. They like OA. We'll see how that goes. Uh, hopefully he's that guy, but if not, they're they're comfortable, you know, Queen getting having five sacks, Harrison having three sacks, Ford having two, Sean Elliott having a couple, Clark, all that good stuff. So pretty similar, and, and last year they had to trade for a pass rusher, so that's kind of what we talked about early on. Haas 66 what do you think the new wrinkles on offense are going to be? Do you see... Ravens using more 10 personnel. No, I don't. I think they like their tight ends uh, in terms of 10 personnel. I'm I'm going to I'm going to start looking at some college concepts a little bit more. I'll be writing some some scheme pieces, some uh, conceptual pieces on, you know, last year I talked about using the backside of the backfield more, more screens, more jet sweeps. I'm going to go with those same points again, of course. Uh, I think it's definitely more zone running concepts. I think that's why they get Cleveland and Zeitler and you want to move Bozeman into center uh, to be able to have some more meat, to be able to run some inside zone and uh, some duo and, and more of those big boy concepts than the power stuff a little bit more. Uh, but 10 personnel, I mean, maybe a little bit more, but I don't, I don't think they're going to be running, you know, 13% of that, maybe a percent or two more, maybe, you know, two or three more every hundred plays, but don't think they're relying on that. Yeah, I'll be interested to just not having the intimate schematic knowledge that you do. I'd be interested to see what they do with their new receivers. Because Bateman in particular, if you look at uh, kind of Matt Harmon's statistics on the routes that he runs, he runs every route well. Like he's not like uh, a one one route type of guy where it's like he can only do X, Y, or Z or he's good in this part of the middle of the field. Like, you know, you don't want to rely on him necessarily everywhere. But as opposed to this whole thing with Hollywood where they're talking about him like, oh, is he a slot? He can only do this. He's a one-dimensional type of player. It looks like you got a guy who is multidimensional in him right away. So I'll be interested to see how they employ him right off the bat. And the same thing with Sammy Watkins, who it kind of feels like, at least in the playoff runs that we've seen, some of those highlights, there's 
a lot of different things that he can bring to the uh, the table. So, you know, if, if it means settling Hollywood into a, a particular particular role that is really strong for him, I'd be I don't know if I'd be super su- surprised to see Rashad Bateman very very productive out of the gate. You said you wouldn't be surprised to to see that happen. Would not. Yeah, I think he we we talk about him as a very pro ready receiver uh, and someone that can force some some misses after the tackle. Will the Ravens pick up a veteran edge? Already touched on that. Uh, Alex Meerman, were there any picks made from the Ravens division rivals that you guys love and or fear? I mean, I love Najee Harris. I he is, I've said this on Twitter, and people are like, what do you mean? He's my favorite running back to watch. I get excited to watch him. I think he's really fun to watch. I think he provides a more versatile, complete game than any back that obviously the Steelers have had since Le'Veon. Um uh, he can't run away from you, really, but he will run through you. He'll make you miss, um, cross you up. He'll you know, fall forward most of the time. And he's a really versatile receiver. So his pass blocking was, you know, it's not his ability to fill is improving. Uh, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's great. I think we saw some improvement there. But that one I really like in terms of them having someone to carry the load and it's like, you know, everybody, everybody wants to talk about the offensive line and sure. I, I see all those points, but you can't tell me that Najee Harris isn't going to do better than Benny Snell or James Conner would, or any of those guys. So uh, I do like that a lot. I hate that he's on the Steelers, but I'm excited to watch him a lot and get to pay a lot of attention to him. Greg Newsom, I thought was a really good pick. Um, I was getting into it on Twitter a little bit about Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa. I don't shout fear him. Shout out to Steve Weish. Uh, Shout out to Steve Weish, who is great, but he was saying on NFL Network how he thinks he's going to be able to handle Lamar Jackson. And I was like, okay, well, who the fuck in the NFL can handle Lamar Jackson? And if Jeremiah Wusu Kormo is running off four, he's not even like Kenneth Murray probably has a better shot at handling Lamar Jackson, in my opinion. And he can't. Uh, Miles Garrett, that's what I said. Miles Garrett has played Lamar Jackson five times and has, what, maybe one sack? And few times he gets dusted to the corner. Like Miles Garrett is one of the best athletes, especially among defensive players in the entire NFL, and can't really handle Lamar Jackson. So takes a village, uh, whatever that one. I feel like is getting a ton of hype. Uh, I see him as a good matchup player and a nice piece, but I don't. I think he might be a little overhyped. Uh, Bengals, you know, I could see Jamar Chase being an AJ Green to the right. That's what. That's exactly what I was going to say. Sorry to cut you off, but the Bengals. Jamar Chase, the Ravens just had a decade of A.J. Green terrorizing them, and now they get a guy who, listen, everyone has criticized them for you know going away from the offensive lineman pick. I certainly was one of them at the time, but it just feels like a, a, a pick that made, in, in hindsight, all the sense, reuniting him with Joe Burrow. Guy who's physical is going to do very well in the AFC North, I think, is going to match up well with the good cornerbacks in Baltimore and Cleveland. Uh, I'm interested by that pick. Also, like Joseph Osai, that is just such a Bengals pick to me. Like they just find these guys in the mid rounds that can play edge for ten years. Uh, that was a pick that I really liked. So I, I low key liked what the Bengals did as well. Yeah, Fryermuth. I think uh, Emery came on and he was like, they get Le'Veon Bell and they get Heath Miller. I I like Fryermuth. I don't love Fryermuth. I don't see him as a as a real problem. Um, who else? Bengals got Milton Williams. Or no, they didn't get Milton. Uh, I have to look at their drafts a little more. Joseph Asai, I do like that one as well. Uh, Browns probably got some good players late. I'm, I'm kind of blanking on their drafts, but yeah, Jamar Chase, I, I could see him being a the, the one that gives Marlon Humphrey some trouble somehow, even though they're kind of a similar athlete, it feels like. Very physical, 
you know, have the the wide shoulders, thin waist, very aggressive play style. But I think that one could be an issue. Um, I do like Jackson Carmen a lot more than most people do, but that is what it is. Nico Lafera, 98. What are you guys personally looking forward to seeing this season from the flock? I'm really excited to see Justin Mataboike. I hope he gets like four or 500 snaps. Um, I hope Patrick Queen comes out of the gate looking at worst like he did at the end of last season, being a little bit more assignment sound, but also explosive. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to him. He's really a freak workout athlete as well. Super young. And let's see if Joe Hortiz and Eric Tacasa's theology that he would have been a top 10 pick this year and, and absolutely wrecked last year. And of course you're not, you know, factoring for COVID and whatever. And if it wasn't for COVID, Jamar Chase probably plays and maybe LSU is a little, little bit different situation. Maybe someone transfers there or something, but um, I'm excited to see him. I'm excited to see, of course, Rashad Bateman and I'm excited to see JK Dobbins, man. Very, 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 very much. So I think he's foaming at the mouth and uh, we've seen him putting in some work with Dalvin cook and, of course, that hilarious video, he's trucked so through his trainer, all that good stuff. I think J.K. Dobbins is really going to benefit if they run some more zone concepts, and I think he's just ready to shit on the NFL. It's what are we going to see out of these offensive weapons is the answer for me. How quickly is Bateman going to be making plays? I would assume very quickly, just kind of off the top of my head. How quickly is Tylen Wallace going to work his way into the lineup? I really like him a lot. I mean, I mean you know, you have the uh, knee concerns, but uh, – I don't know. It doesn't seem like that's something that's going to be affecting him as we move forward into the fold here. So hopefully he can stay healthy in that regard. I'm really excited about him and uh, what he brings to the table as a guy who just kind of has some intangibles, just that that ball tracking ability that you don't really see in guys like him. He's kind of like a souped up James Prochet, who I know a lot of Ravens fans think James Prochet is like the next Jerry Rice. Let me tell you, this guy is just a better version of that. So uh, excited to see my boy Tylen, and then uh, some of these other weapons that we've talked about, Sammy Watkins, what are you going to get out of a guy like him? Is he going to play more than 10 games? If so, I think that's probably going to help you a lot. And uh, what the hell are you going to do with Ben Mason? I'm I'm intrigued by that as well. Yeah, that's an interesting point. You picked him in the fifth I, round. Like, he's got to make the team. He's tight end. He's tight, He's probably tight end three. Okay. Probably tight end Josh three. Oliver, what do you do with Josh Oliver? Practice squad. Practice okay, I'm, that's I'm, my I'm prediction. Just, I'm that's just, my prediction. I'm just, we don't we don't even have, they have those protect. They have those protected ones, but I, you can't you can't put drafted players. I don't think you can put drafted players on the practice squad like that. They have to go through waivers first. I'm pretty sure. So I'm sure someone poaches him. Yeah. So especially if after after getting a little seasoning on the Ravens in the fullback department and the tight end department. I am curious about Mason. Yeah, you don't even you don't even have to make a prediction right now. I'm just saying that is what I'm intrigued by. Right. Tyrod D, bold prediction. Tavon Young plays at least three games a season. That's not a bold prediction. He plays three games. Like if you said 12, I'd be like, okay, that's a bold take. Um, yeah, I think we'll see three games at Tavon. Sure. If he makes it to training camp. I we'll hope see. so. I hope, I hope so. Uh, Whitehead Will, thoughts on potentially adding Malik Hooker? He's, he's signed somewhere, didn't he? I think he's visiting Miami right now. Is he? Uh, Who could sign? He signed somewhere. Uh, yeah, sure. We've liked Malik Hooker. The fact that he hasn't signed anywhere and he's younger means he probably has some pretty serious medical stuff or something. So yeah, we'll see. He had medical stuff coming to the lead too, I think. So Yeah, he definitely, he, he did for sure. D-Lock 520, parenthesis, space, period, space, capital Y, space, period, space, and parenthesis, titties. Okay. Uh, Nico, LaFera, what can we expect from this pass rush? We already kind of talked on that. Uh, they lost Judah and they lost Ngakwe. We'll see if they need to acquire someone. Gridiron guys, shameless plug for our new NFL podcast in Australia. Best of luck to you guys. Gridiron guys. mate. Drinking Forsters talking NFL. 
Eating blooming onions. That's what we all do in Australia. We always eat blooming onions. Yeah, get your fried calamari. 30, shout out to 13% off. Shout out to Baker and uh, Baker and the Beauty, who has, I mean, my new celebrity crush, Natalie Kelly. She's on the list, trademark. Hashtag the list. This is a second Baker and the Beauty reference, uh, I think, in a week. I've watched it. I've watched it twice, uh, almost twice through. Damn. It's not that good, but it's like good. It's like, I feel like good, you- easy watch. It's an AB, it's an, it was an ABC show. There have been like 250,000 people that signed a petition to uh, have a season two. Netflix will Netflix will give that a go. They're it's been like it. in their top 10 for like a couple weeks. They'll, they'll, they'll acquire it in Outer Banks the fuck out. And then people can start cussing and it'll be so good. There you go. There we go. I'm excited. Um, yeah, it's, it's on ABC. So it's almost, you know, it's not Modern Family, but it's almost as good as an ABC show could be. Wow. <sighs> we needed that. You forgot about that till just now. No, I, I've had it up. I just well, I forgot about it for like the first fifteen minutes, and then I brought it up, and I was just kind of waiting for the right moment. But need that. Um, why do people think that Ferguson can be that guy? He hasn't gotten any snaps for a reason. Yeah, I mean the the thing that I I like that the Ravens had in their war room was that Nick Saban quote, and I'm gonna miss it by a couple words, but the the best indicator of future behavior is past behavior. You nailed it. I'm surprised. You really struggled with it last week. The best something about something is something. Uh, but yeah, I think that that is what to expect. I was too high on Jalen Ferguson. One of my one of my boldest takes probably that is flipped upside down is that I was considering, you know, I was like, I might rather have Jalen Ferguson than Brian Burns. I really liked Jalen Ferguson. I thought his bull rush was, I thought tackles were going to have problems with him, with his length and with his get off and with his strength. Um, it seems like he just isn't very assignment sound and not, you know, a trusted guy to, to consistently set the edge and be aware in the run game. It feels like he's not quite suited for being that true stand-up outside linebacker that maybe he would be better in more of like a two, four, five base as like a standing end consistently more. And, and, you know, kind of like what Zadarius, a poor man's version of what Zadarius Smith does in Green Bay, where he's kind of standing and attacking upfield and doesn't have as much edge duty and uh, in, in terms of contain and, and setting the edge uh, and is, is playing some more four or five tech type stuff and all that good stuff. Feels like he's just not a great fit, but I think whether the Ravens bring in a veteran edge or not is basically predicated on how they feel about giving Jalen Ferguson 500 snaps. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's not a lot. Yeah, to keep it uh, simple for me, like the Jason or Odafe away pick is a direct indictment on what they think of Jalen Ferguson. Jalen Ferguson, all the tools, maybe not as athletic, or all the production, maybe not as athletic, away, kind of a really toolsy guy, maybe not as much production. Kind of feels like they zagged when they had already zigged and kind of going back to the past performance, future performance type thing. They're kind of directly sort of you know, a little bit of a, putting an indictment on themselves on that Jalen Ferguson pick. And I do think that they're trying to do the market inefficiencies with the edge rushers and looking at their defense, like, all right, our outside linebackers are going to cover and they're going to be versatile and things like that. And uh, I, I, I think that, yeah, you you hit it. They they zagged, they zigged, and, and maybe it's a Goldilocks situation. I hope that's not the case where it's, you know, Dafe is one thing and Jalen Ferguson is the other and you want the, the mixture of the two. I don't think that's going to be the case, but ultimately... I think Ferguson is not going to be in Baltimore. He's he's in his final year of his contract. He was a 2018 guy, right? Yep. No, 2019. He's going to his third year. Oh shit! You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So year three. Um. Well, I mean, we'll see. I don't. 
I don't think he's going to get cut. I don't think he's going to get cut. It depends but on if they bring one of these guys in. I think I, I just have trouble seeing them carry six initially. Which is like and, if they bring in a Kerrigan or a, a Houston, and then you you know if you're not going to carry six, then he's probably the odd man out. He he has to be. Like I said, we said about Ben Mason, and we might have already said it on this show. I don't. They're not going to cut Dalen Hayes. He was a fifth round pick, captain at Notre Dame that you know played well at the Senior Bowl. Uh, that you know is a, a consistent assignment, sound player in his college career, but the third year guy who you had inactive last year and felt like you needed to trade for an edge. And then, you know, Jihad Ward, a player who signs for a couple million dollars in Jacksonville because uh, Cullen likes him is in a direct indictment on Ferguson. So yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people, you know, Tyrod, you're, you're saying how, why do people still think that? And it's probably that classic kind of fairy tale that, you know, every, basically every Ravens edge rusher is going to blossom in year four and go and get a third round or fourth round comp pick for the Ravens and yada, yada, yada. But it's a lot of guys that didn't happen with, especially lately. Um, you know, Judon got franchise tagged and it did happen with Zedaria Smith, but there's, there's definitely been some cases where that wasn't like Tim Williams, Bronson Kafusi, you know, some of those guys. Dolphine met who is in Paris. Oh, um, Kanye and JC Napoleon. I don't know. KCAS 91 player comparison for Bateman. The one that I settled on that I, I, uh, I was not the first, it, I didn't steal it from him, but I did see Nate Tice, a bleacher report had written it about a week before it, it kind of hit me because people are Mike Renner said, uh, Keenan Allen, uh, I think people have said some Michael Thomas. I think people have said some Stephon Diggs, some Devontae Adams. For me, the player I kind of see is Reggie Wayne a little bit. I said that on draft night, but I, any of those guys I just mentioned, I think you can see that they're effective at all three levels and, and that they can do you know a lot of different things for you. They definitely can play some outside receiver and uh, give you some problems. So I think those are some pretty similar games. Some okay. people say Justin Jefferson. Kind of maybe a weirder one for me was Crabtree. Um, just younger, yeah. younger souped-up Crabtree. Catch the ball with your hands. Do really, really fun shit after the catch. That's kind of what I like. Yeah, I can see that. I think he's a little, uh, I don't know, maybe Crabtree is a good basketball player, but I think that's something that I really like in wide receivers is when they're high-level basketball players. I think it uh, it helps them move without the ball and with the ball, and I think it makes them comfortable in those contested catch situations. I think Devontae Adams is a really high-level basketball player. I think Michael Thomas was too, uh, and Rashad Bateman certainly was, so I like that about receivers and people say that about the tight ends, but I, I like receivers who, you know, give me a guy who can hit a three, who can dunk, who uh, can cross guys up, play some defense, do all that stuff. I, I think that crossover is really great from basketball to receiver, that kind of wing position to receiver. But that does it for uh, the Instagram mailbag. Thank you guys. All right, cool. Let's pull up the Twitter one here. Okay, first one coming in from Roberts. Harbaugh seems to hate slash dislike rookies, but will Bateman be an exception? I know Torrey Smith started out as a rookie as well, but as of lately, rookies don't seem to start day one majority of the time, even if they're the better athlete. Uh, I think that was a thing. I think he's gone away from that more recently, maybe starting with the Lamar era where he throws Lamar in. Um even before some people thought he was ready halfway through his rookie year and it paid off in huge dividends for him. So I think he's kind of gone away from that. I think Hollywood Brown made a big impact from day one at the same position as Bateman uh, and the same position as Torrey Smith. So I think uh, 
good players are going to get on the field in uh, in this in this uh, team in this offense, and uh, I I wouldn't be surprised to see Bateman uh, doing exactly that. Yeah, I think really you see him and Sammy Watkins share a lot of snaps early. Uh, I think they obviously will be on the field at the same time. To me, it feels like the only guy who's going to get clear-cut snaps is Hollywood. Um, he works hard with Lamar. Lamar loves him. Lamar handpicked him. Lamar hangs out with him all the time. They have good chemistry at, at, you know, in a lot of phases. The deep ball has been a work in progress, but other than that, they have some pretty good chemistry. Um, I, I, they, Hollywood Brown was also a first-round receiver. He demands the ball. He's performed in some big situations, and he's been in this offense for a couple years now. So I think he's the one who's definitely going to be 55, 60, 65% of snaps. Bateman, I think, you know, they want to get him touches early, see what he can do early, get the gauge, and uh, see if he gets overwhelmed. And I don't think he will. But I think, you know, it's going to be him. Watkins, Boykin, if Boykin's the one who makes the team, him and Prochet, I think, are the two possibilities. And then Duvernay, uh, I think those three are going to rotate a lot and have, you know, 30, 40, 50% snap shares between the three of them. Uh, ultimately, but they, you're going to draft Bateman in the first round. You draft him as someone you think can come in and play right away, and he has that kind of skill set. So, yeah. Um, AJ, uh, which draft pick do you see having the biggest impact in 2021? Uh, I'm going to go Rashad Bateman. I would think him or uh, or possibly Ben Cleveland. Um, you know, if Cleveland ends up starting at left guard for 17 games, that's a pretty big impact. Yeah, Cleveland. I mean, Oa is probably going to have an impact by proxy too. He's going to have to get on the field right away, I would think. Yeah, I think they. Uh, you know, I think you're right, especially with these higher picked guys. They want to see where you're at, and I, I don't know what the deal is with the preseason. I are they? I, I don't know if they're having one really. Do, are we still? I think I they. Know. I think they are. I think they're supposed to. I think it's supposed to be two games. I think that's kind of the, what the CBA was. Yeah, I'm not mistaken. That's why they do the 17th game to take away two preseason games. Right. So if they get that, guys stay healthy. Um, yeah, you know, I think away. I don't think he sees seven, eight hundred snaps, but I think he sees four, five hundred. Kind of like what Tyus Bowser saw last year. He's on the field a good bit, especially in certain situations. Um, you know, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. And injuries are going to dictate a lot of that stuff, man. And, and that's why we talk about this stuff on paper and what teams are really good and yada, yada. Um, but then ultimately, you know, maybe they don't have to cut Prochet or Boykin, or maybe they do have to sign an outside linebacker because someone gets hurt and that's the nature of the beast. Absolutely. Zev Moses. Uh, everyone has been talking about us signing Houston, but it appears there, there is a big gap between his asking price and our offer. Can you evaluate the fits of other vet edge guys like Kerrigan, Ingram, ETC, and if they're worth it? So he said that. I don't know if like there's actually any report about them actually having an offer out, so I have no idea about that. Um, but like, I would imagine they made an offer if he came here. Yeah, okay. So if that's the case and if he has turned them down or even if not, I mean, what, what do you see? Who do you see as the best fit of those guys or whoever else? I, I mean, I don't know where Ingram's health is at, but to me it's definitely Ingram. Uh, I think he can move around a lot. He can do kind of that Judon mug over the A-gap standing deal. Uh, I think he's a really exciting player with a lot of energy, and uh, I think he fits the Ravens play style, the the hustle through the whistle, um, the energy. Ker- Kerrigan, uh, Kerrigan just feels weird to me. I don't know why. It's like, sure, but... He just feels a little strange to me. He feels very Baltimore. he feels very Harbaugh-y to me. 
Yeah, I can see that. But I, I feel like I have trouble like imagining him physically being in a Ravens jersey playing this year. Could be. I don't know why. I'm a, a good player. I don't. Mm, he kind of just was odd man out last year. They have Chase Young. They have Sweat. They have you know that monstrous defensive front, and he was getting a little older, and maybe he's got some health issues or something. Because I mean, Ryan Anderson was playing a good bit last year. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know the deal with. Uh, and it feels like there's it feels like there's another one. Oh, uh, Olivier Vernon too. And I totally be fine. He, he was totally off my radar. Yeah, so there's all those guys, and it feels kind of like if they're going to add one, they're probably going to add like the second or last one to sign with a team that you know signs right before training camp. If they're not signing one, you know now. Um, Wilkith Nookith, who do you rather have on the team and at what position? Macho Man Randy Savage or Russell Westbrook? It's a good one. That's a good one. I feel like Russell is probably more of like a real like football athlete. Give me the macho man. Oh yeah, give, brother. Give me the macho you man. You don't cross the line. Actually, I don't know if that's his line. I'm not a wrestling guy, but I feel like that was pretty good. I'd go give me give me Russ. Give me. Okay, your 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 middle name is Macho. But um I'm wondering if you ever cry. You ever has Macho Man ever cried? Oh, yeah. Really? Uh-huh. It's okay for Macho Man to show every emotion available right there, you know, because I've cried a thousand times. I'm going to cry some more. But I've soared with the eagles and I've slithered with the snakes and I've been everywhere in between. And I'm going to tell you something right now. There's one guarantee in life and that there are no guarantees. Yeah. And... I understand this. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes a quitter. Nobody said life was easy. So if you get knocked down, take the standing eight count, get back up and fight again. And you're a macho maniac. Take it. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, brother. He kind of sounds like a little uh, Dan Carlin vibes. Um, yeah, hey, give, give me give me West. I love me some Wessel Westbrook. Yeah, I, I love me some. I was gonna Westbrook. say yeah, that's an upset that you're you've been slobbing all over Russ's knob lately. I've always loved Russell Westbrook. Wow, always love some Russell Westbrook. Just 182 triple doubles. Just uh, set the record about 15 minutes ago. So shout out to him. That is uh, that's that's almost like a cow. That's almost like a 2131. Uh, that's that's a fucking big deal. That has been standing. Like, what? When did Big O do that? Seventy-seven, something like that. I'm probably wrong, but yeah, that's a huge deal. Shout out to Wessel. Of course, you know Wessel would be a fucking sick safety right now. He would definitely have single high range. I, I would give his player comp as uh, a Derwin James type for sure, and I would love that. But give me the macho man, brother. Put him in at Mike linebacker, and uh, he's gonna show you the way. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, DJ draft is complete. Now is this team parentheses roster actually better than last year's 2020 Baltimore Ravens parentheses. I don't think the defense is, but I think the offense is better. And I think that the offense is, uh, is what's been holding them back in terms of being able to be explosive and being kind of balanced and able to have ancillary players or, uh, rotational guys that can, that can, carry you. And I think that's the case now with, with Bateman and with Watkins, with Zeitler, you know, we'll see what happens at left guard. We'll see Villanueva, but I, I think this offense is legit. 
I mean, I mean, Nick Boyle. I was, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I didn't love the Ben Mason pick, but I'm sure if there's a place where he's going to be utilized the best, just like Nick Boyle, it's Baltimore. Ben Mason, Nick Boyle, and fucking Patrick Ricard are going to be obnoxious. The Ravens, uh, the Ravens, obnoxious. They could do all for this, other teams. They could do all this analytics and all like the the testing scores, and we we pick the high upside guy. The Ravens can do all that stuff, but they're still the Ravens, and they can still not fucking help themselves. And they had to take a fullback from Michigan in the fifth round. They just had to do it. So that's just kind of what the Ben Mason pick is to me. I think it's fun, excited to see it, and uh, I do agree with you that the roster uh, it might not be totally better, but I think one to one offense is uh, much better. Defense is going to be a little bit worse, and uh, you just you go from there. Well said. Marcus Chestnut. Obviously, it means nothing because the season hasn't even started, but what are your guys' thoughts on power rankings having Cleveland ahead of us? Seems they get better every offseason, but injuries deplete them. Um, it, like I don't, I don't blame anyone for doing that. I think the Browns have a great roster. The thing that was holding them back a few years ago, their coaching staff appears to be fixed now, so I think it's fine. I don't begrudge anyone for doing that, especially like it feels like it's something that always wants to be done. You know, the Ravens are kind of a drab, familiar team that's kind of always in the mix. And if you're in the media, you're kind of hoping for something a little bit more new, fresh and exciting. And I think that's maybe what the Browns represent to some people. So don't regard from that. I don't totally agree with it, but that's just kind of where my, my head is at. Where's your head at? Where's your head at? Uh, the money's on Baltimore. So whatever your power ranking is, Vegas is, uh, and the, the money's going to the Ravens. They're the odds on favorites by quite a bit. I think they're only like plus 200 to win the division. Okay. Uh, diet woke with lime. Uh, what's the uh, Ravens strategy for avoiding offensive train wrecks against teams flooding the middle of the field like Kansas City, Tennessee, and Buffalo have done the last few years? Get Throw back. it around the outside, around the outside, around the outside, around the outside. Guess who's back? Back, back. Uh, yeah. Um, get better players for the outside would, would be my suggestion, and it feels like they kind of did that. They also, I mean, seriously, and I think Cole asked a question I saw, so we'll get into that one, but if they can seriously run downhill, like Lamar can fucking just hand the ball off and they can mug combos with their interior offensive lineman and Nick Boyle coming back and Ricard leading the way, it might not even fucking matter if they crowd the middle of the field. It really might not matter. Gus Edwards average, averages five yards a carry with ten defenders in the, with eight or more defenders in the box. So it really might not even matter. It's an exciting prospect. They they got better at being stubborn and got better at being balanced at the same damn time. And like we said, you know, (laughs) we might be underestimating how bad their offensive line was last year towards the end of the year talent-wise because of this system, because of this quarterback and and what Greg Roman actually is a fucking genius for, we might even be severely underestimating it. And if Zeitler is, is Zeitler's come into play, he knows the AFC North, Villanueva is now the right tackle, less pressure on him. He's switching sides, whatever, you know, wiping with the opposite hand, whatever you want to say, but he's an athlete. <laughs> I think this offense might be really fucking scary. It's exciting. It's very exciting. Very excited. Very excited. 
Uh, MNE bets. Uh, do you foresee less left guard pooling or pooling in general along the line now that we appear to have a, quote, knock them back set of guards in Cleveland and Zeitler? Good question. Yes, but not by like a drastic amount less. I think they, you know, it's more of now they have four pitches instead of two. You know, they're they're more of a an ace in the run game concept wise than they are a closer. Um, so I think that they'll be able to run those inside zone concepts. I think they'll be able, you know, they basically exclusively ran power to the right. And it really didn't matter all that much. Uh, you know, the, the Bills know that and we're able to do some things because they have an outstanding defensive coordinator, an outstanding defensive head coach, and a hell of an intelligent defensive personnel. But Ravens only run power to the right side. They pull Bradley Bozeman because he can't knock guys off the ball very well. He doesn't have the strength for it. He's not, you know, a great athlete. And my question with him is, is how is he going to handle – he had he has problems with the, like, Physical but athletic types, you know, not necessarily the finesse quite as much, but like Cam Hayward f- eats his lunch straight up. Um, so him having to go against nose tackles is a very interesting proposition to me. He's going to be having help from two behemoth men in Zeitler and Cleveland next to him. I'm, I'm anointing Cleveland as the winner at left guard. Uh, I, I am. I've liked Cleveland throughout this process. I think he's has a great fit. And he pulls. He can pull a bit. I mean, fucking Orlando Brown was pulling, man. So... At the same, you know, the answer is yes and yes. Uh, they they are going to run less gap man scheme a little bit, but they also, you know, they're going to pull. I think it's going to be less pulling. I think you'll see the right guard pulling more because the right guard never fucking pulls very rarely in this offense because they like to pull Bozeman because he's a better puller than he is a down blocker or, or a reach blocker or any of those things. So I think we see, you know, a good mix. So they're going to have a good chill to pull ratio is what you're saying. Yes, they will. Good. Uh, Kyle Bowler's burner. Uh, what are your projections for target share for the Ravens offense? I feel like we can already answered this. I think we see, you know, I think we see Hollywood and Andrews around that, you know, 90, 100 range still, if they're healthy, you know, we're assuming everything's healthy. So let's, you know, I don't, uh, Sammy Watkins probably going to miss a couple games. He himself says he goes too hard in practice. So he's hoping they tone him down, which is an all time great spin zone, by the way, I, I work too <laughs> hard. I care too much about my job, and uh, <laughs> I practice too. <laughs> oh God, that is sick. Um, so yeah, I think we see the ninety hundred mark, you know, for Mark and Marquise. And uh, shout out to Mark Ingram, no longer the you know, Mark, Mark, Marquise, but we and Lamar. Uh, so I think we see them around the same because I do think that the the passing volume does go up a bump. I think we see Bateman around, you know. 70 targets ish Watkins around. Let's assume he misses a couple games, 50, 60 targets Duvernay 40 targets, uh, something like that. Boyle, you know, 40 targets, 35 targets, 30 targets. And, uh, then that leaves, you know, whoever the last man is and they'll probably get, you know, 10, 20, 30. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe Boykin will fucking rise to the occasion. So that would change everything. But it feels like, you know, the core is going to be Andrews, Hollywood, Duvernay, Rashad, and Sammy to me. It feels like that's the the, the core of the Ravens passing offense. Which is uh, kind of, I think, goes hand in hand with Dan Abe's house's question. Any chance they actually carry seven receivers on the final roster? I think if there's a chance. I think with some of the other positional battles that you're going to have, it's going to be tough. 
And like, I, I don't know. I'm just, I think people are a little, maybe a little too bullish on Prochet here, who I like, but it just kind of feels like with some of these picks they've made and the guys they are, that they already have in the building and the addition of Sammy Watkins, it kind of feels like it's going to be And him. the fact that Duvernay took over both return duties. Exactly. And it's like, you and know, was a better punt returner. Yeah. And it's and already a good kick returner. He had the touchdown. I mean, it kind of feels like, you know, I, I like the guy a lot. I, you know, we've talked about how he could maybe have a Kamar Aiken receiver or career um, at receiver, um, which would be great for a guy like him. A, I believe a six round pick at one point. So, you know, that would be nice, but he's, he's like, I, he's not as good as Kamar Aiken. Fifth round pick. He was undrafted, I believe. Undrafted, yeah. Yeah, he's he. James Prochet is not as good as Miles Boykin right now. Like everyone hates Miles Boykin. I get it. He he had his. What, what, what Miles Boykin's skill set is is more rare. A boundary receiver with size and the athleticism that he has is much more rare than a what five ten five eleven slot receiver. But you know, if you want to go on the rumor mill, the someone tweeted a thing. It was like, who's stopping you know the, the Ravens with these new additions? And it was like Bateman and Sammy Watkins and. Tylen Wallace and then Lamar like tweeted and was like with my OGs Prochet, Andrews, Duvernay and Hollywood. And then he came back and he did say I didn't know Miles had Twitter so that's on me but like maybe well, that what the fuck? Maybe, maybe he didn't know he has Twitter. Well yeah maybe him not knowing that is Lamar it. doesn't chill with Boykin. No of course not but like is them chilling like is that really gonna affect like what Greg they fucking wrote? they drafted Hollywood because Lamar told him to. Yeah but you're talking about the sixth receiver on the roster and like are you gonna this keep- is the thing this is the thing though there's going to be a receiver who's not, there might even be two receivers at times, probably at least one. Well, there will be at least one who's not active and not suited up on game day. I'd rather, listen, maybe they think differently. I would rather have it be Miles Boykin, who's an athletic freak and has at least made some plays in his career and is a good red zone option. It feels like they have the slot ability between Marquise, between Duvernay, between, uh, I mean, Sammy and Bateman both play in the slot. You know, Bateman played exclusively almost in the slot last year. And is that his best utilization or why they drafted him? No, but is he going to play in the slot? Yes, he is. Who else plays in the slot? Mark fucking Andrews. So yet again, you find yourself with Marquise who plays in the slot, Mark Andrews who plays in the slot, Devin DuVernay who plays in the slot, Rashad Bateman who plays in the slot, and Sammy Watkins who plays in the slot. That's five fucking guys not named James Prochet that take a good bit of snaps in the slot. I love Prochet. And James Prochet isn't going to win on the outside. Yeah, and I, I love Prochet. You know, I was I lauded the pick when they traded back up to go and get him. I like yeah. him. I hope he's able to stick around. Um, but I and again, injury is probably going to dictate this, and I bet one of them is an IR stash. I bet Boykin or Prochet will be an IR stash on some bullshit. You know, they'll get mugged at 4 a.m. in fucking Fells Point. Shout, quote out, to, unquote. shout out to Corey Vedvik. That was really the craziest thing of all time. The, the Not even that he was traded, whatever. No one saw him. No one saw anything. They just were like, oh, yeah, by the way, this backup kicker we had that just nailed a bunch of field goals. The preseason got his ass kicked last night, so we to put him on the IR. And then, what like, the Harbaugh actually commenting on it and saying, like, yeah, you know, I had to talk with him. He's going to be a, a lot smarter moving forward. It's like, yeah, okay, this is maybe a little fishy. Like, Some Norwegian kicker, the soccer player that went and kicked in college, and what a diabolical plan that ended up being. Listen, it got them a fifth round pick, and they—I uh, don't think they parlayed that exact fifth round pick, but a, another one into uh, Mr. C. Alice Campbell. So it, it, every, it worked out for everyone, except for him, of course, which is tragic. Nothing, nothing gets Eric more hard than than some fucking C. Alice trades for a fifth round pick. A little bit, a little bit. Uh, okay, let me. My problem sometimes when I make these is that I quote tweet them with my personal, um, and then people <laughs> reply to the 
my personal tweet as opposed to going into the thread. And then like what annoyed me about Whatever, this. It, it's fine. It draws attention to it. No, it's fine. But what annoyed me about this one is Garnett got into this big thing with this guy, Charlie the Raven, where they had like literally t- 15 <laughs> tweets going back and forth about moving Miles Boykin to tight end. And now I have to scroll all the way down. All right, let's see. Shout out to Garnett. It's fine. Uh, so, okay. Speaking of which, uh, good evening, fellas. I will try my best not to ask the typical boring questions. Percentage-wise, what is the projected target percentage for breakdown for the receiver room? So we just talked about this, but do we have a percentage number to put on it? Percentage target? Um, target share? I don't think Marquise let's say, is getting... let's do Let's do it like this. Let's do percentage that goes to wide receivers, percentage that goes to tight ends, percentage that goes to running backs. <sighs> Let's say um, forty-three percent to the wide receivers. Why did I have to say a number like that? So yeah, that's I'm not a math guy. Forty-three plus twenty-nine goes to the tight ends, and then mm, that feels not right. That feels not right. Forty-seven goes to the wide receivers. 30 because Andrews gets 100 Andrews fucking targets. Takes a lot of them, yeah. And then you got to think Boyle gets 30, 40. So it's like 140 out of maybe 470 or something. Um, so in that, you know, 35% range, and then the backs take the rest. So I think we see J.K. Dobbins, the cool, you know, 30, 40 targets. And, uh, you know, Edwards will get 15, 20. Hill will probably get 10, 15, something like that. And then uh, you mentioned Cole's question earlier. He slides in with, are fans overreacting the, and he capitalizes to emphasize week one impact of Mr. Cleveland. So basically saying, are people maybe a little too bullish on thinking Cleveland is just going to slide in as the week one starter right away? I think maybe that question's phrase is like him being good in week one. Okay. Because offensive linemen take time to adjust. But my counter to that is that he's playing in a Georgia offense. It's not has never been a very good passing game. Um, people stack the box on them, and he still kicked ass. He's playing in the SEC. I, I I really swear, him getting injured at the Senior Bowl or hurt at the Senior Bowl was a blessing because he was sunning people at the Senior Bowl straight up. Marvin Wilson body bag, like. Malik Herring, his teammate who tore his Achilles, who I also really like. Guess he didn't get drafted. I can't remember, but um, he Malik Herring was having a good couple days as well. He ends up getting hurt too, so both of them got hurt. But he fucked up his own teammate there, and he was dominating, man. So I think if he played that whole week, we might see him come off the board a little higher. Um, so I mean, I think people like what he looks like and his like, you know, that he's Southern and he's got this fun fucking squirrel story that I put on Instagram and like all that stuff. Um, so I think people like him and they like him in the long term. And they, you know, is he going to be coming in and probably putting whoever their week one opponent is maybe on their ass? Maybe, maybe not quite, but I think he's going to, I think he's going to be good. So maybe I'm overrating him, but I think he's going to be good, man. Uh, you know, I don't think he's going to be, he's not fucking Quentin Nelson. He's not going to be some pro premier guard immediately in the NFL, but I think he quietly can kick some ass and uh, help them run the ball downhill. So ultimately he'll have some limitations. He'll probably get beaten by, you know, let's say, I don't know, like a Fletcher Cox. They're not going to play them, but who I think they play, I guess, um, well, they handled the shit out of Aaron Donald somehow. I don't know. Some, 
at the athletic Justin Matabuike types, you know, that can really move laterally, give him trouble in pass pro a little bit. But if he's playing next to Ronnie Stanley and he's got, you know, Nick Boyle and all those ancillary blockers that can help out, he'll be fine. So I, I think he's going to be a solid starter. Uh, maybe he ends up being an okay starter at best, but, you know, that's might be better than what they had last year. So I think he'll be all right. Okay. Dominic, uh, in not so many words, asks, does this roster have what it takes to get to the AFC Championship game? Yeah, absolutely. They had what it took last year. They just, you know, got hurt a little bit and uh, played in that fucking silly willy-nilly wind game in Buffalo in January. Like, the AFC, you have to play basically, like, you have to fight the fucking Night King in the middle of winter. Like, you're going to be playing in Kansas City. As we've learned, is really not all that hard, to be fair. That's true. Uh, yeah, Ariel will just, uh, so you're either playing in Kansas city, freezing cold. You're either playing in Baltimore, probably pretty fucking cold. Buffalo, obviously literally freezing or Cleveland also very fucking cold. You get those that lake are, effect in those two cities, you know, God forbid, maybe a Miami makes, you know, maybe t- if Tua has this, you know, great sophomore year, maybe you get to play one of those games there. I think the Titans are going to crumble. Uh, without Arthur Smith. Oh, that would be sick. Please let that I, happen. I feel like Tannehill might turn back into a little bit of a pumpkin. Uh, I think Arthur Smith was really the engine behind all of that. And ultimately, they're going to be the ones that can make things happen. So, or Smith is the one that can make things happen. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. Playing somewhere cold, man. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a true sweepstakes. There's a lot of good teams, but uh, I think they're just as... Uh, just as juiced up as some of these other squads and ready to go. And uh, I don't know, man. Like, some of these additions Cleveland's made, I, I wouldn't sleep on Clowney and his effect against the run uh, in a division that it, uh, you got one team that wants to run it very well. Clowney whooped Ronnie Stanley's ass on a couple snaps. Yeah, I mean, you've got one team that wants to run it very well in Pittsburgh. You've got one that does run it very well in the Ravens. Cleveland is going to be uh, – they're going to have their hands full trying to stop it, but I think they're well-equipped with Garrett and – uh some of the guys they have along the offensive line or their uh, defensive line. So uh, it's going to be interesting. And, uh, J- you know, Jeremiah Owusu koromoa who 70 or, you know, 70% of the world is covered in water. The other 30% is covered by Jeremiah Owusu koromoa So. Yeah. I mean, realistically, he can help out a Mark Andrews or something, but f- come on, Steve Weish, fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, Fucking Bobby Wagner can't find Lamar Jackson in the field. Like the t- eight year all pro wasn't, you know, hunting him down. Not some four six will linebacker at a fucking Notre Dame that Amari Rogers was stiff arming in the face. As Mike Rabel would say, give me a fucking break. He's faster than the whole team. Literally, give me a break. No one's gonna stop him one on one. He already spared you. There's not. There's not a player in this league that can just straight up take Lamar Jackson out of a game well, because they can spy him. The funny, I think also the funny. Dory Dory Jackson is like a world class sprinter. Well, the funniest thing about it is like the Steelers trade up to get Devin Bush to stop Lamar Jackson. And like the Steelers have done well against Lamar, Lamar Jackson. I don't think it has like everything to do with Devin Bush. No, it takes a village. It's a certain way of playing where every option, the end crashes Lamar, the linebackers are filling the backside gaps where Lamar would run. If he keeps it in the end crashes and you want the running back to take it out. And then you gang up on Mark Andrews and you fucking give a little help on Hollywood and then you make Seth Roberts and Hayden Hurst and fucking, you know, Willie Sneed beat you. And, you know, why does Willie Sneed always play well against the Steelers? Because they don't give a fuck if he plays well. To their detriment sometimes. To their detriment. He balled last year on them. 
But, you know, they won that game and they've kept it close. So a bold prediction, there is, oh, there is a rude awakening coming in that first Steelers-Ravens matchup. For, for all the Yinzers who think that Lamar is not that good because they watch, you know, whatever primetime game where, you know, they watch one and they pretend like that Rams game didn't happen. They, they He's never thrown for five touchdowns in a game. You know, all these little stats. Like, I love when you'll see like, oh, Tim Tebow has more 300-yard passing games than Lamar Jackson. How many fucking five touchdown passing games does Tim Tebow have? Zero. Like, fuck that shit. I'm, well, I mean, I'm fucking sick of it. There is a beatdown. There's a Baltimore beatdown coming to the Pittsburgh Steelers delivered by Lamar Jackson. Their defense is weaker. They don't have Bud Dupree. You know, they got rid of fucking Mike Hilton. They didn't draft any defensive players early. TJ Watt, you know, what, what if he what if he sprains a fucking ankle? Misses a couple games. Then where are you? Steelers fans, be afraid. Love it. Lamar loves Russell Westbrook. For uh, anyone listening, um, Skip had a, a, a nice all-caps tweet, as he is wont to do, congratulating Russell Westbrook on his uh, triple-double streak. Lamar promptly quote tweets it, ain't no way, ain't no way, my career player going to break that triple-double record. He does a little face palm emoji, hashtag 100 Ruz. So I think he might be doing Truz there, but who could say? Ruz. So that's all we got for uh, the mailback. Lamar loves Russ Rossbrook. Well, no, he doesn't. He's saying he's gonna he's gonna take his fluke ass down with his uh, my career play. No, he's saying ain't no wait. He said ain't no way my my player ain't gonna beat that. I think he's saying ain't no way. Uh, you know, this, I think he's saying ain't no way his player will beat that. Damn, this is a true who could say situation. I think you might be right now. Now, now that I'm looking at it. No, Lamar loves him from Russell Westbrook. Kind of similar athletes, I think. Yeah, they definitely are. That's wild, man. But uh, yeah, that's all we have for the mailbag. That's all we have for the mailbag. I think that's all we have for you folks. This was a fun one. Uh, we we aired out, aired it out. We started looking back towards some some Raven centric stuff, some team stuff. We're out of this draft nonsense, but we'll be uh, we'll be chopping it up. We'll be talking about the draftees a little bit more. I'm I'm still not even in. I'm I'm one game into Brandon Stevens still. I still got some articles to come out on the day three guys. I get no. They took while. Wait, yeah, day three guys. Um, so some articles come out on those guys. I've kind of fucking schlubbed it this past week, but yeah, we'll be chopping it up. Maybe we see a, a signee of some sort in the coming days, weeks, months, you know, post-June first cut. Those aren't as big a thing as they used to be, but we'll uh, we'll keep our ears to the grindstone. Maybe we see a Mark Andrews extension sometime soon, and maybe, you know, maybe the, the buzz is starting to float around Lamar and his contract and what might be coming. You know, he's tweeting some weird shit that, you know, people probably are going to misinterpret or whatever the hell is going on, but he is going to get an extension at some point. So those feel like things that are looming in the near future. Yep. So we will uh, keep our eyes peeled, ears to the grindstone, as you say. And uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, going to be a fun time. And uh, I think we are going to be doing some deep dives on some of these prospects as we move forward. We've kind of discussed doing that already. So Going to uh, jump into the old the old lab and start grinding the tape on those guys for uh, a little bit of a content bonanza with all these draft picks. But uh, that's going to be fun, just as this episode was fun, bud. Thanks for joining me. This was a fun one. We appreciate you guys. We appreciate the mailbag. We'll be trying to get some guests and uh, some, more, some more interviews and all that good stuff. And we'll talk to you guys in a few days. Absolutely. Follow the show on social media. You can find it on Twitter at Podcast Beatdown. I am at Jake Luke. Spencer is at Ravens4Dummies. That's the number four. 
in the middle there and uh, check us out on the uh, big account at Be More Beatdown as well. If you're listening to this and would like to watch the video editions, check us out on YouTube at Baltimore Beatdown, where you should uh, subscribe, share, and tell a friend. Uh, appreciate you guys listening, and we will talk to you again later in the week. See ya. Arrivederci. Gorlami. Gorlami. Arrivederci. 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 Arrivederci.